Really, thanks to Andy Vivanco for being here and leading us. I'd like to welcome him and glad you're here this morning to worship with us. We are going to begin a new message series today called Stars. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, If the stars should appear but one night every thousand years, how man would marvel and stare. That's really true. I'm, I grew up in Los Angeles, you know, in the smog and the fog and the city lights. And I remember the very first time I paid attention when I was out in the desert looking up, pitch black sky with the stars against the pitch black sky, how awe-inspiring that really is. In, in L.A., we can't always see the night sky because of the city lights, the smog, the fog. Uh, so it may feel like we can only see the stars every thousand years. It just might. You know, it's kind of like the app on your phone where you get the weather and it's like 64 degrees, feels like 60. It only feels like the stars aren't there sometimes, but they're there. And we can see them more often than that. And as we get involved in life and life's going and flowing and going on, it's very easy to focus on what's going on in this world and all around us, other kinds of stars, Hollywood stars, music stars. We get wrapped up in what's going on in our world, and that can eclipse the beauty and the significance of creation, nature all around us. And we, we have the privilege of meeting here. You can look out those windows right there, the doors, and see the beauty of the mountains. I don't encourage that very often, but uh, you can. I mean, it's, it's a great place. God's allowed us to meet here, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, if we're not careful, we can miss the brilliance of God that shines when we look at the creation, look at the, the universe that he's made, when we see the stars. What we're going to do in this series, we're going to take a look at stars in the Bible and how God uses them. Today we're going to look at how he uses them as clues to his existence, his identity, and some key attributes of his character. Next week, we're going to look at how they're symbols of promise, and God used them to uh, show Abraham what he was going to do in his life and through his life, and they, they can actually symbolize for us the mission that God's given us, the, the, the purpose for our lives that he's given us, and we're going to dig in next week on that. The next week, we're going to look at how stars are metaphors of a Christ follower's role in the world. They're, they're metaphors of the role that we play. And then uh, right before the family Christmas service, we're going to look at how God used a star as a navigation system, sort of like a GPS, an ancient GPS system in the Christmas story. But the week before that, we're going to look at how one day Revelation tells us the stars will be no more. The sun, the moon, the stars, they will be no more, and God himself will provide the light in eternity for us. Jesus refers to himself in Revelation 22:16 as the bright and morning star. He he is the one who is the source of of light for us. And in in that day as history wraps up, this is where we're heading. History's going to wrap up and we are heading to the moment when all of this goes away and God himself, we are in his presence in a in a very special way. Let's start the series, this message today, by looking at Genesis 1. We're going to go back to the beginning and look at what it says. Genesis 1, 14 through 19. 
And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. God creates time. And, and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. In this passage, it's kind of amazing to me, there's a very casual reference to God creating the stars. Almost like, oh yeah, and by the way, he, he also made the stars. But as Emerson said, stars create this sense of wonder among human beings. When you, when you look up at the night sky, we're able to see the stars who are millions and billions of miles away because of the tremendous amount of power and energy that is contained in one single star. It's so awe-inspiring that we as human beings, we attribute a great deal of power to stars. You think about it. We thank our lucky stars. You ever thanked your lucky stars? We, we do that. Because there's, a stream, there's something actually behind that phrase. There's a stream of thought and practice that believes that stars control our lives. Astrology is literally the study of stars. And according to astro- astrology, as above, so below. That's the idea of astrology. Celestial phenomena reflect or govern human activity. So what's going on above shows up in the earth. This is a belief. that Some people believe this. And we have astrology. We have predictions in the paper, and the 12 signs are supposed to represent 12 basic personality types or characteristic modes of expression. So we attribute a lot of power to the stars themselves. They have a lot of power, but we attribute more than just the physical energy that they contain. It's also this idea has worked its way into our language, the origin of the word disaster takes, its, take, takes us back to the time when people commonly believed that great misfortunes hinged on the influence of the stars. So disaster first showed up in the English language in the 16th century just in time for Shakespeare to use it in the play King Lear when he, he, referred, he used the word disaster, which comes from an Italian word, disastro which meant unfavorable to one star. So it's in our language. It's, it's a part of a disaster, aster, asteroid, astro, star. It's there. We even have nursery rhymes that attribute much power to the stars and encourage our kids to wish upon them. Starlight, star bright, the first star I see tonight. I wish I may, I wish I might have the wish I wish tonight. These ideas are symptomatic of the way we human beings approach life on our own. What we've done is we, we try to live without the guidance of the one who made us. That's what the Bible says. Every one of us has gone our own way. The Bible says that we've all pulled away from God and we've tried to go it on our own without his help. And so one of the symptoms of that is we look to guidance for guidance from other sources and we attribute this extra power to stars. 
In contrast to this, God says we should let the stars remind us of his existence and character. But Romans 1.25 says this, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. So this kind of thinking where we're looking to guidance from created things is a symptom of a deeper problem. And we'll keep looking at that in a little bit. But the stars really, as you get into Scripture, they should remind us of God's existence and his character. Psalm 19 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. They gush forth a word. They send forth the word. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. They're not literally speaking. It clearly reveals God's royal majesty. I, I saw online this, this week a mashup of some sounds from stars and whales, and they did this mashup and how creation is singing. The stars, we, have, we pay people, SETI, we pay them to listen 24-7 to the sounds that are coming from outer space. And so they've recorded some of these sounds, and a guy did a mashup of the sounds of the stars, a little song. I'd, I'd play it for you if I had time, but I didn't. I, I don't have time today, or I'm not going to take the time. I got time. If you got time, you want to miss lunch? We... Um, but anyway, there is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a, a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion. This is a reference to the brilliance of the sunrise. Like a champion rejoicing to run its course. The strength and the amount of power and energy you see in the sun. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. We all, the entire planet, feel the heat from the sun. God is speaking to us through the stars through the heavens, through all of creation. He's speaking to us. He is letting us know that he exists. He's telling us something about his identity and his character. In fact, he's putting on a light show every day and every night. Sunrise, sunset, the night sky, the beauty of the stars. And he wants us to recognize what the stars reveal. The stars reveal God's power and deity. They show us something about the one who could make these. It reveals something about him. I'd like to show you a clip from a a DVD called God of Wonders that describes a little of the power just contained in our sun, the closest star to us. Let's watch this clip together. Well, one of the things in creation that I think really exhibits God's power is the power released in stars. Uh, The sun, it releases more energy in in one second than a billion major cities on the earth, if there were a billion, would produce in a year. And that's just released in one second. You can imagine that. Of course, there are stars that are even more powerful than the sun. And just imagine all that power. All those stars, billions of stars in our own galaxy, billions of stars in other galaxies. And yet the Bible describes the creation of all that energy, all that power with the single phrase... He made the stars also. Pretty amazing, the power in, in our sun. 
Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. I watched the movie Super 8 this summer in a theater in Nashville, and I can't remember what they called this theater, but it was set up so that what was happening on the screen you felt in your seat. So if there was an explosion, if there were things going on, you felt like you're right in it because your your seat shaking and things are going on. It was kind of wild. Um, we can't do that with the stars. They're they're far away, but boy, the if we could get close enough without getting fried to feel the power. I mean, we can feel the heat of the sun from 93 million miles away. It heats the entire planet. It's an amazing thing. Go out at night sometime. I think we have a good chance this week of seeing stars, because if it rains, then it's going to clear. We'll be able to see them. Go out at night or think back to the last time you were in a place where it was pitch, pitch black and you looked up at the night sky and you could see the brilliance of the stars. Think about that. Imagine the immense power and energy that is contained in the stars that allows us to see them from so far away. Consider the one who made them. And arranges them. The one who arranges the night sky. Who puts on the light show every day. The stars reveal God's power and deity. And also his wisdom and understanding. Psalm 136 says this. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. To him who alone does great wonders. His love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens. The order and design in the universe is evidence of the existence of a creator with complete wisdom and understanding. The book was written several years ago uh, by two astronomers, and I think they might be astrophysicists. I looked that up, but I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty sure they are, though. Uh, it was called The Privileged Planet. Our, how, how Our Place, the subtitle, How Our Place in the Cosmos is Designed for Discovery. And, and they talk about how the earth is hanging at just the right place in our solar system to uh, make this planet habitable. We, we can inhabit, life can exist on the planet earth because of where it hangs in the solar system and then in our galaxy and then our galaxy is in just the right place to allow not only for life but for discovery. We're in a unique place. Uh, to, to allow life and discovery. For example, the sun is 27 million degrees Fahrenheit at its core. 93 million, uh, million miles away from the earth, and it's our main energy source. That's, that's amazing. Energy leaves the surface of the sun at an astounding 5 million tons per second. So more energy is released in one second by the sun than all of humankind has ever created since Adam and Eve, since the first man and woman. One second. And God hung us. He put the earth right where we are. If we were a little closer to the sun, we'd fry. If we were a little further away from the sun, we'd freeze. So the, the, the universe, the stars, what God has done is evidence of his infinite wisdom and understanding and his ability to, to bring things together. So the, the stars reveal God's power and deity. 
his wisdom and understanding, and his faithfulness. Psalm 136 goes on. Give thanks to the God of gods, it says earlier, who made the great lights, his love endures forever, the sun to govern the day, his love endures forever, the moon and the stars to govern the night. The, the idea is, the, this is evidence of God's love and faithfulness to us. Just, just the way that he has uh, set the sun, it rises and sets, the moon takes its place, and conditions exist for us to live and for life to continue. God is faithful every day to provide. The stars also reveal God's care and concern for us because they are evidence of his love and faithfulness as he's provided this beauty for us to enjoy. I want to listen in. I want to show you a video clip from uh, a, a man named Louis Giglio who's giving perspective. He's talking about the stars and the star maker, and he's giving perspective on the immensity of the stars. And I want us to, to try to soak this in as we listen to him. We are here tonight to worship a huge, massive God of grace and glory. The story opens like this. In case you forgot, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he said, let there be light. And there was light. And that was a phenomenal moment when that happened. Because light came out of the mouth of God, traveling 186,000 miles a second. There's an image of it for you, by the way. It's a little more fierce than we often think. It's 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit on the surface. But what I want you to see about it is how big it is. It's 93 million miles away, so when you're looking up in the sky, it's pretty good pace out there. By the way, light traveling 186,000 miles a second, it's only taken eight minutes to cover that 93 million mile journey to touch your skin here in Atlanta, Georgia. But what I want you to see is the size of it. It's like a million times the size of the earth, and that matters to us tonight when you hear what the psalmist said. Listen to his words. By the word of the Lord, this is Psalm 33, the heavens were made. In other words, God didn't lift a finger when he made the universe. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. But he goes on to say, they're starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. So we're looking at something so intense that we don't want to get any closer than 93 million miles away, which is what we are right now. And then we read that God just breathes out stars. It's crazy to think about it. A million times the size of the earth. So here's a little perspective that sort of changed my life. If the earth were the size of a golf ball, okay, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. Okay, that didn't seem to move anybody either. So let me try it a different way. Let me just try it just a different way. I thought I might need this, so I brought a golf ball, okay? So all through the evening, this is going to represent Earth, all right? So this is where we are. I need everybody in the building to look as closely as you can and find yourself, okay? And when you've found yourself, I want you to nod your head so that I know you've located you on the Earth, okay? You're nodding your head? Okay, you found yourself. If the Earth were a golf ball, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. That's not 15 feet in diameter. Can we blow that up just a hair and maybe give them 15 feet in diameter? So here's a little perspective for you, okay? Is this working for anybody? Here we are on the Earth, and that's the sun. It's so big. It's so big, you could put... 960,000 Earths 
inside the sun. So if the earth were a golf ball and the, and the sun were 15 feet in diameter, you could put 960,000 golf balls inside that 15 foot diameter sun. That's enough golf balls, by the way, because I know that seems like a big number, to fill a school bus with golf balls could fit inside the 15 foot in diameter sun. It's a massive star and it's one of hundreds of billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy, our cul-de-sac in the neighborhood called the cosmos that God has made. I love science. And science has just brought us the largest star they found. It's called, are you ready for this? Canis Majoris. Now I'm no linguist, but that's a cool name for the biggest star we've found so far. I think that means the big dog star, and that's exactly what it is. I bring it to you as a little bitty purple, you know, glow just to the right of center there. But Canis Majoris, oh wow, if the earth were a golf ball, Canis Majoris would be the height of Mount Everest. Almost six miles above sea level, the highest point on the planet, and I just dare you to get up there and unzip the parka and pull out your golf ball. You could fit seven quadrillion Earths inside Canis Majoris. That's enough Earths if the Earth were a golf ball to cover the entire state of Texas in golf balls 22 inches deep. Do you see the one you're on? I wanted you to hear that to get a sense of how immense this universe is. Listen to Psalm 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. When you feel the warmth of the sun, it should remind you of God's love and care and concern. The amazing thing about God is that in spite of our rebellion, how insulting is it to create a universe and put you on a planet where you could enjoy life and then you begin to worship the stars and the planet and the things that have been made rather than the one who made it? Incredibly insulting and offensive to the one who made this for us. But in spite of that, he pursued a friendship with you and I. He, he pursued a friendship. He has been mindful of us. We're on his mind. We're in his heart. He, he made us so that he could love us and so that we could love him back, so that we could get to know him. And his hope is that all of creation would draw us to search out, to seek out, and discover the one who created it all. And then he stepped on the earth in the person of Jesus Christ to make a way so that we could be reconciled to him. Scripture says even while we were running away from God, he demonstrates his love for us in Jesus Christ by dying on the cross for our sins. So the stars should remind us of God's character. 
his identity, his faithfulness, his love, his care and concern. And they should stir our hearts toward giving him glory for our lives, giving God glory. Revelations 4, Revelation 4. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. It's only right that whatever is made brings glory to the one who made it. We've been made. We're created. And it's right for us to give him glory. We give him glory by reflecting who he is. Actually, the Psalm 8 says that we've been made just a little lower than uh, the heavenly beings. We have been created in the image of God, and we're made as people to reflect him, to show others what he's like. His patience, his forgiveness. He, even, even though we've offended him by running the other direction from him, which is really the definition of sin, even though we've offended him, he keeps pursuing us. He, he loves us with a relentless, unfailing love. And we're to reflect that to the people around us. We're to show his forgiveness to those as well. That's how we bring him glory. By forgiving, showing patience, meekness, which is strength under control, and, and we reflect him. There's also an aspect of giving God glory. To, to give someone glory means you give them the proper weight of significance in their life. You let, you let him guide you. You give, you give him the right weight of significance in decisions, in the way you live life, the way you go about life. He's the one that guides. He's the one that leads. So we give him glory. Our hearts are stirred by what we see to give the glory to the one who made it. The star should stir our hearts toward praise and adoration. And this is in the negative. Romans 125, we read it earlier. It says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. That's in the positive. He is forever praised. Creation should stir us to worship him and to honor him. We should never worship the stars or any part of creation, but the one who made them to praise and adore him. The stars should stir our hearts toward gratitude. Romans 1.21 For although they knew God, this is a description of what's happened with humankind, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Whenever we don't glorify God, we don't thank him, we don't appreciate what he's done by giving us life, we, we walk into the darkness. A habit, making a habit of wonder and praise and thanksgiving keeps us from blowing things out of proportion and helps us to learn to trust the one who made us and has a plan for us and the one who loves us. We remember, you know, what we're living on is golf ball size. And our problems shrink. When we understand who God is, the power that he has, and, and the love that he has for us, things shrink down to size and we can trust him. So make a habit of that. We gain a renewed sense of confidence when we realize the God who made the universe, he is for us. He's on our side. He, he loves it. We want to be on his side. We're the ones that have detached and gone our own way. He loves us and he wants to guide our lives. The stars should stir our hearts toward obedience. Psalm 19, 7 and 8 says this. This is, we read verses 1 through 6, and then 7 and 8 says this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. 
The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. So there's a reference in the first part of Psalm 19 to uh, creation and what we can know about God in creation. And then he, he moves on to the Word of God, how there's more revelation to know about Him. And we get light to our eyes. We see more about God through the Word. The works of God in creation make us curious to know Him, the one who's behind creation. The Word of God reveals Him more fully. The flow of Psalm 19 takes us from general revelation that we see in nature to special or specific revelation that we get in the Word of God. And when you get into the Bible and you read it on a consistent basis, you begin to realize that it's inspired by God Himself. As, you, as, you, as we come together to worship, we sing songs to, to honor God and worship Him. And as we, as we come and hear the Word of God taught, you realize it's alive. I, I get accused many times of, hey, you know, did you, did you deliver that message just for me? No, I just, I just walked through the Word of God. And God took His Word and He spoke to you through it. We realize as you get into the Scripture how God has inspired it. It, it flows out of Him. It comes alive. I'd like to show you one more clip because what happens as we study the universe and learn more about it, the Bible syncs up with science, and it, it verifies, the syncing verifies its author, and there's several things like this that show up, but I'd like you to see this just to get a, a glimpse of what, it, what we see in nature. Today, most astronomers acknowledge that the universe appears to be expanding. This also agrees with the Bible, which says God stretches out the heavens like a curtain. There are some examples in the Bible of scientific foresight. One example that comes to mind in particular is in Isaiah 40:22, which talks about God stretching out the heavens as a tent or as a curtain. And you might say, well, that, you know, that is written in a poetic way, so we've got to be careful. And yet there are at least ten other places in the Bible where it talks about this, this stretching out of the heavens. And that's something that uh, was only discovered in the uh, 20th century when we found that indeed all the galaxies appear to be, or virtually all of them, appear to be moving away from each other as if the entire universe is being, lo and behold, stretched out and expanded, just like the Bible says. And that's obviously not something that, that people could have observed in ancient times. That's something that had to have been revealed to them from above. Unimaginably large, containing spectacular galaxies and stunning nebulae, truly, the heavens declare the glory of God. So as you get into the Word, you can test it out yourself and find out, wow, this, this is God's Word. He's speaking to us in a specific, special way. Some of the primitive fathers, the early church leaders and, and writers, uh, in Christianity, have mentioned three laws given to man <clears throat> from God. The law of nature, which teaches us the knowledge of God, his eternal power and deity, uh, the visible creation. The law given to Moses and the prophets, which teaches us more perfectly the knowledge of God. Uh, not completely, but, but more perfectly. His nature, his will, our duty as people. The law of grace given by Christ Jesus 
which shows that God has done in Christ what needed to be done so that we could be reconciled to him, so that we could have eternal life. So these three laws given by God to man, the law of nature, which is written in in hieroglyphics in the heavens and the earth, the law of Moses written on tablets of stone, the law of grace written on the hearts of people by the power of the Holy Spirit. The wonder of the stars and all of God's creation should stir us to desire to know him better and to follow him, the God behind it all. Next week, we're going to look at how God literally used the stars as an illustration of a promise that he gave to Abraham and then how Abraham set an example of obedience. And in that story, we, we can see how the stars can remind us of our mission in life, our purpose in life as Christ followers. I want to encourage you today to make a habit of praising and thanking God for his power his wisdom, his love displayed in nature. This gives us, when we have this habit, this sense of wonder, it gives us the right perspective in our lives. Cultivate a sense of wonder at his design instead of looking at things from such a mechanical viewpoint. There is a language that God is speaking to us through nature that reveals his existence and some of his key attributes. If you're not yet a Christian, ask God to show you that he exists and that he's real as you look at creation, as you look at nature. Spend, spend some time this week thinking about how the world came to be. And in light of what you see in nature, ask God to show you himself. Ask him to prove himself to you that way, to show himself to you, to reveal himself. I'd like to draw your attention to the connection card that's in your program. To your, your listening guide, there's some next steps in your listening guide and on the back of the connection card. If you could pull that out of the program, that'd be great. I've suggested some next steps, some things that you could do as a result of hearing the message this morning. Uh, The first one, get under the stars this week and worship God. I'm a city boy. I don't do that a lot. But I'm encouraging you to get under the stars and Lord willing, literally, Lord willing, it rains, it clears, we can see the stars. Get under the stars and read through the passages I've, I've walked through this morning and just thank God for life. Worship him. Praise him for who he is. Take the time to do that. If you, if you haven't yet decided to follow Christ, get out under the stars and ask him to show himself to you, to reveal himself to you. Another step would be to pray over and consider what I will give to the Christmas offering this year. Next week, we're going to begin our offering. And we're going to give... Uh, the offering to um, five different groups of people and efforts in missions this this year. Uh, 50% is going to go to India. And found out in the last couple of weeks, India is the fastest growing population in the world. It's going to soon take over China and just dwarf China as it continues on. And so uh, we've decided that 50% of our offering is going to go there. Uh, we're going to... S- Give 25% of that, 50%, to Tim Shang and Wertingla Sharik. And they're the, the couple who Tim Shang is planting a church in Guwati, Assam, India. I visited them in May to help out with a leadership seminar and some other things. Uh, Nathan, Tina Lewis, Cindy, <clears throat> and I are going back in January. Nathan's going to lead a 
Family Life Seminar and some other folks are also going to help with these things. Uh, I'm going to lead something I have never dealt with in my life, but it's really on Tim Chong's heart. He wants me to coordinate and lead a a seminar on dealing with conflicts and maladies and past wounds from tribal conflict. I've never dealt with that before. And so if you think about it, you could pray for me. I'd really appreciate it just as I sort through that. And I, we, we were thinking, are you sure you want an American to come in and do this? You know, because I'm like, oh. And uh, he said it's better for somebody else because there's so much there's so much strife among the tribes that somebody from the outside is better. This is on his heart. I'm I'm asking God to help me with this. So we're going to go back and do that. And I'd like to tell you, we saw the video uh, earlier with Tim Shong saying that he was praying for a boy. They got a boy. Emmanuel was born in August, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, he's 51, wants another boy, so you could pray for him there uh, on that. Thankfully, his wife's younger, but uh, he's doing church planning and missions. Uh, and an example of what they do is they're going out this weekend to the rural villages around the city, and they're doing uh, some medical work and hoping to do evangelism as they meet the needs of people, share Christ with them as well. But he's from uh, there. He's Naga from northeast India, which is right up uh, near China. Uh, another 25% of our Christmas offering is going to go to Jammu in north India, more directly above Delhi. And a member of our congregation, Dev Lewis, is working there. And she's teaming with a team to do some economic development, some other things. And we're sending the money to support a center. They've asked for support. Uh, a Center for Contextual Theology, which is training local pastors uh, for the ministry there. So we're going to give some of that. 20% is going to go to Central Asia. We have uh, some more members of the congregation who are working there in this part of the world. And so we're going to send the money to them. And then uh, 20% is going to go to the L.A. region, Christian Challenge College Ministry. Uh, Neil Walker heads that up, he and his wife, uh, Melinda. Uh, most of us know them. And then uh, 10% is going to go to the World Missions offering that all of the churches in our denomination pull the money together and send it to. So that's the Christmas offering. Take some time to pray over your part in that and what God would have you give. I'm excited to, to give the money. We're, we'll be taking the money that CIB gives to India in January and giving it to Tim Shong. So that'll be fun. Never done that before. Never hand-delivered the Christmas offering to anyone. So that'll be cool. Um, if you haven't yet decided to follow Christ, this is another step. For the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior, and I want to follow him as Lord. You, you could decide to do that today. We'd love to know about that decision and help you any way that we could in taking your first steps with the Lord Jesus Christ. Any way that you want our help, we'd love to help. There's some other things you can check on there. In a moment, we're going to take our offering. I'd like to ask the band to come up. Uh, I'm going to pray. We're going to receive our offering in a few moments, and I'd like you to take the time to finish completing the information or the next steps on your connection card uh, as we get ready to do that. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word, and God, the truth about you we see in nature and creation. Father, give us a hunger to know you more and more, not only to know you, but to be like you. To, to walk with you through our days and through our lives. Strengthen us, God, 
to do your will, to do your work, to accomplish your purpose. May you be honored and glorified and pleased as we set out to serve you this week. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.